Acts chapter 8. I want to pass on, I want to give you something that was given to me a number of years ago, and we started this last week, and the reason we began this uh, is because uh, when after you have the ability to lead someone to the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the way, if you never have had a chance to do that, I'd ask the Lord to let you. Amen? There's something about winning a soul, and it's not all about winning souls, but I'll tell you what, uh, if, you want, if you want an excitement as about as near as heaven as you can get, ask the Lord to let you win a soul. And um, man, that's a, that's, a, that's a great joy. But uh, the reason I want to give you this, and of course, like I said, it was given to me. This is, there's nothing new under the sun. Even uh, any, any kind of preaching that's ever done was uh, probably done by the Lord first, or uh, you're just plagiarizing something somewhere, Amen. But after you win someone to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, usually that convert has a period of time as a babe where they may or may not doubt their own salvation. And even in the life of, uh, if I could say, believers who've been saved a while, many times people doubt their salvation. So I wanted to give to you some things. This is a message entitled Fact, Faith, and Feeling. And like I said, it was given to me, and uh, this thing is spelled out real clearly in Acts chapter 8. And uh, before we do that, let's, uh, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we sure love you. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for bringing us here safely this morning. Father, I pray that you'd uh, give the people a blessing from your word. And Father, for someone here traveling on their way, I pray that you'd give them traveling mercies. And Father, I pray that you'd uh, help those who uh, aren't able to come today. Would you heal them, raise them up out of the sick bed? And Father, I pray that you'd help us to keep growing in grace. And Lord, we thank you and look forward to the soon return coming of Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. Now in Acts chapter 8, uh, we begin reading in verse 26, and we went all the way through uh, the end of the chapter, and of course that uh, has to do with Philip uh, and the Ethiopian eunuch. And uh, we said this, we said to be a complete Christian, you ought to have the facts. Amen? You ought to have the facts, you ought to have the faith, and you ought to have the feeling, and I'll try to do the best I can to explain what we're talking about here. And we said this, fact is the root of salvation. Fact is the root. Uh, and uh, we contrasted that by telling you what you already know, that people in America go by feeling. Everyone goes by feeling. Everyone's looking for a feeling, aren't they? They wake up in the morning and they want a good feeling and they go to work. And if they don't have a good feeling at work, then, well, you know, it's just a rotten day, so forth and so on. And uh, it's all right to have a feeling, but feeling is never the root of salvation. Does that make sense this morning? You're not saved by feeling, all right? And we said this, a lot of people when they get saved, they don't have this tremendous overjoyed feeling. What if you got saved when you were young, right? Did you jump up and down, run around the bases, run around the pews and get all excited? Probably not. You might have shed a tear or something, uh, but that was probably about it. And... uh, but we said this, if your root is in your feeling, then you're going to be uprooted about every other day. Because I'm going to tell you what, and those of you who have been around a little bit, there's some bad days out there. And there's some days that are just, they don't feel, you don't even feel like you want to be alive. That's just the way it is. Well, I've never had any of those. Well, <laughs> you're on medication because that's, that's the truth. And uh, feelings are like yo-yo, sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down, sometimes we said this, you're just walking the dog, sometimes you're just going to work, aren't you? 
There's periods of time in your life you wonder where the years went. You know what you're doing? You're doing your duty to provide. That's it. You look back and like, I can't think of anything wonderful that happened that Five-year spirit, well, you just were providing. You're going to work. You're getting up. You're trying to be a testimony. You're trying to do your job as a husband, as a wife, as a co-worker, whatever. And, and that's, that's what it is. But fact's a certain thing. Faith is a certain thing. And feeling is a certain thing. And I want to show you how this plays out here. And they're all in Acts chapter 8. And in Acts chapter 8, you've got the Ethiopian eunuch. And he gets saved. All right? And when he gets saved, he sets the pattern for the rest of the Bible for salvation by grace through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, all right? And the first man that ever got saved in the Bible by grace through faith, uh, he got saved without any laying on of hands. He got saved without any speaking in tongues, and that was that Ethiopian eunuch. You know, these people that say everyone gets saved the same way in the Old Testament as the New, they're out of their mind. First person that got saved by grace through faith through the finished work of Jesus Christ wasn't even the thief on the cross. It was the Ethiopian eunuch, all right? And, uh, the, and, and we said this last week, the first man that got saved by grace through faith is a black man. You see that? Ethiopian eunuch. And uh, uh, he's a Hamite, and the Bible says that a Christian... In tight, he's a servant of Jesus Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I'll show you this. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 22, For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's free man. Likewise, also, he that is called being free is Christ's servant. And uh, in the New Testament, when Paul refers to himself, he refers to himself as a bond slave, a bond slave of Jesus Christ. So the first man in the Bible to get saved exactly like you are saved was an Afri- African. You say, why? Well, Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, says that that, that fellow, he's a servant of servants. And you say, well, that makes you a racist. No, that makes me a Bible believer. Amen? And uh, Paul said that you're bought with a price. Isn't that what he said? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we doing all right this morning? I'm just trying to point some things out to you before I try to uncover and show you what the difference is between fact, faith, and feeling. A lot of Christians, uh, they have struggle with that whole thing on their salvation. They wonder why they go through periods of time in their life and they don't have any feeling about being saved. Uh, but the, here's the deal. Did you get saved? Yeah. Well, that's a fact. All right. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, the Bible says, What know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not, not your own? For ye are bought with a price. That price was blood, wasn't it? He says, Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So I think you understand that. As a Christian, you belong to someone else. Morning, brother. Good to see you, man. We got breakfast out there, by the way. The breakfast of champions. Amen. Uh, manna with a little bit of icing on top there. But, uh, you know, and that whole concept of belonging to somebody else, that's a difficult thing, isn't it? In America, it is. In America, you know what? You belong to you. Ain't nobody going to tell you what to do, right? But if you're saved, amen, amen. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. But if you're saved, you belong to Jesus Christ. You know what he says over there? Was it Peter? He says, you're a peculiar person, a peculiar people. Uh, Everyone says, well, that means weird or odd. Uh, Okay, but that's a more up-to-date meaning. But the definition of peculiar is the personal property of somebody else. 
You can find that in the 1828 dictionary. That means when you got saved, uh, you lost all your rights. <laughs> I have my rights. Not if you're a Christian, you don't. You belong to Jesus Christ. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. So two parts you're supposed to glorify God in. You're supposed to glorify God in your spirit and in your body, which are God's, all right? And we all think as Americans, I have my rights, and if someone uh, violates your rights, you call Lee Free or whoever it is, you know, you're whoever you want to call there. But if you're saved, you have no rights. Your master is Jesus Christ. I understand I'm an American. If someone violates me, I'm most likely going to call an attorney. Yeah, why? Because I'm not stupid, <laughs> right? And if there's a justifiable cause and someone's done wrong and committed a crime, I will probably follow through with it, as would you. We're not, we're not advocating this Quaker mentality where someone comes up and beats the daylight side and he says, oh, you're suffering for Jesus. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying, look, when you got saved, you lost all your rights. And that's a hard thing. And you're not your own master. If you look at verse Acts chapter 8, verse 32, I want to show you the facts. Here's the facts. Here's a... a show back, uh, was it the, someone help me out here, uh, 60s was it, Dragnet, was it 60s or 70s, just the facts ma'am, right, you know, she'd go on about this and that, about 100, and he said, just the facts ma'am, <laughs> was his name Joe or something like that, but anyways, Acts 8.32, the place of the scripture which he read was this, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shears, so opened he not his mouth, so where is he reading? Isaiah 53, right? Yeah, he's reading in Isaiah chapter 53. So here's the fact. The fact is that Christ died for your sins. That's a fact. It's not difficult. It's a real simple lesson. And in verse 32, when Philip gets into that chariot and starts talking to the Ethiopian, he opens up the scripture and he reads that verse. And he says, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. You know what that is? That's a substitutionary sacrifice, isn't it? That's a lamb slain for somebody else. That lamb wasn't slain for itself. That lamb was slain for what? The sins of the whole world. That's a substitutionary sacrifice. John chapter 129, you know the verse, uh, John the Baptist in his ministry, he says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. That's that substitutionary Sacrifice. Uh, someone asked uh, Sir James since Simpson, the Englishman who discovered chloroform, what was the greatest discovery that you ever made? They asked James, Sir James Simpson then. And that born-again child of God said, the greatest discovery I ever made in my life was, number one, that I was a sinner, and the second discovery I ever made was that Christ died for me. It wasn't about chloroform. It wasn't about any of the list of things that he discovered. But you see, when you nail your faith down to what Christ did for you on Calvary's cross, you're dealing with a fact. You see, that's a fact. That's not a belief. You see how it's easy to mess that thing up? The fact is that Christ died for your sins. Uh, people say this frequently. Well, this is just what you believe. You ever heard that? Well, that's just what you believe. No, that's a fact, Jack. <laughs> Christ died for your sins. And it's a fact that Christ died for sinners, and it's a fact it's not belief. you got to get that thing squared away. Uh, I know you're saved by grace through faith, but you're saved by fact. That's the fact. And uh, what you or I think about it is actually immaterial, right? He died for your sins. That's a fact. Uh, Christ died. That's accurate historical information. 
You say, how do you know? I've got a book that says 500 people saw him go up. You don't even need that many people in a court of law. <laughs> you only need one eyewitness. In the Bible, you should have at least two or three. That's a fact that Jesus Christ died for your sin. It's a fact that he died a substitutionary death. He was slain for the whole world. Uh, someone says, I don't believe in substitution. Well, sure you do. You believe in a, a woman, a mother, going down as near as she can to the valley of the shadow of death to deliver a child, don't you? That's substitution. You believe in a man out there working himself half to death, getting gray-headed and losing his hair before his time and getting ulcers and getting sick and wearing himself out to pay for a family, don't you? That's substitute. You believe in it. All right. You believe in somebody's life or somebody else's life. Isn't that what some of y'all have done and did? You're doing everything you can to provide for somebody else. That's what Jesus Christ did on a much greater scale. He was a substitutionary death for everybody. You know the verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 3, to 4, 15, 3 and 4, says Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. All right, without a shadow of a doubt, that's fact. All right? It's a fact that Christ was offered as a sacrificial lamb. How about, you know, another fact? It was a fact that Jesus Christ didn't talk back. Man, that's the hardest thing I've ever seen in my life. Someone come up there and accuse you of things you haven't done. You ever been accused of what you didn't do? I've been accused of things I did do. I had a hard time with that. <laughs> but you want to talk about having a hard time, someone can accuse you of what you didn't do. People come up to me, and I, I remember hearing a preacher say this, and I used to chuckle at this, and like, that's pretty funny stuff until it turns around and happens. You have people at church say, a preacher, they're, out, they're lying about you in town. And my, you know, my old mentor says, he says, don't worry about them lying about you in town. You need to worry when they start telling the truth about you. <laughs> Amen. But the fact is Jesus Christ didn't talk back. He opened not his mouth. Amen. And the fact of the matter is, is uh, Jesus Christ was nailed in your place and he bore your sins according to Acts chapter 8, verse 32. That's an absolute, undeniable, historical fact. And uh, the fact is, if you don't know where you're going when you die, then you simply have not trusted in the finished work of Jesus Christ. You see that? It's not about going to church, not about being a good person, not about baptism, not about sacraments, not about any of that stuff. But if you don't know where you're going when you die, you haven't trusted in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And uh, when you trust the finished work of Jesus Christ, you can know. And when that many people have done it and tried it, it works. Someone says, well, it worked for them, but it won't work for me. To which I say, have you at least tried it? And the Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. All right, that you've got fact. The next thing uh, we want to talk about for a second is faith. Faith. Uh, you know, Romans 10, 17, the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Uh, now let's get this thing clear. It's a fact that Jesus Christ died for sinners. If you don't, uh, don't believe it, try it out. And you say, well, how do you try it out? Well, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And uh, now here in Acts chapter 8, look at verse 36 and 37. Here you got Philip. He's talking to the Ethiopian eunuch, and the eunuch asks that if he believes, why can't he be baptized? Look at, uh, look at what he says in verse 7, 37 rather. He says, if you believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. You see that? Now, if you have a new Bible perversion, that verse isn't in there. It's gone. Or it's footnoted. 
You say, well, it's not too bad if it's footnoted. Now, I tell you, what, what a bunch of rascals. Why would you footnote the Word of God? You get a Bible in your lap and someone footnotes a verse, I'd footnote the Bible with my foot. <laughs> you see what I mean? Why would you footnote it unless you're just casting doubt on the Word of God? you got to remember, this book's right and you're wrong. Someone takes that verse out, they're trying to hide something. That's one of the most important verses in the Bible. You say, well, you shouldn't be so critical. Yes, you should. When it comes to the Word of God, you should absolutely be critical. That mindset of not being critical and not being negative comes from the positivity junk that you ingest all week long. Amen. And if you've got a new Bible version, that verse isn't in there. If you have a new ASV or an RSV or an NIV, that's not there. Let me show you this from 1 John 5, 13. I know you know some of these verses, but it's real good review. Remember, we're talking about fact. There's the facts, and now we're talking about faith. Faith. Uh, verse says in 1 John 5, 13, the great verse here, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. All right, so if you're saved and you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you should know that you have eternal life. Every Christian ought to be safe, right? Every Christian ought to be sure, and every Christian ought to be satisfied. You see that? And there are some Christians that are safe. They've trusted in Jesus Christ. That's a fact. But they're not sure. And you know why they're not sure? Because surety comes from the Word of God. You see that? You can boil just about every one of the saying of God's problem down to this book. You know why we're not sure about things? Because surety comes from that book. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen? See, God's, God always keeps His end. And if you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're saved. Well, I, I doubt it. The reason you doubt it is because you don't spend time in that book. You don't rest your naked soul upon what God said. You don't know what God said. Surety comes from the book. So what you have to do, you have to rest your naked soul on the Word of God or what God says. It's amazing in our day how people are always looking for for something, some Christians kind of just sitting, a while, sitting around waiting for a feeling to catch up with them. Just waiting for a feeling, you know. Uh, you go to West Branch, they got a real good uh, restaurant there. It's called Rancheros. And uh, you eat the right amount of food from Rancheros, you get a feeling all right. But it ain't going to be the one you're after, amen. But Christians are sitting around waiting for a feeling to get them. And they're just sitting there waiting for some evidence of the fact. You know where the evidence is at? It's in the book. The evidence is in the book. And why a lot of Christians are not convinced, they're not sure, is because they don't get into the book. They think they know enough about what the book says. Now that verse, uh, 1 John says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. So what you have to do, Christians, you have to rest your faith in what? In what the book says. That's the hardest thing for you to do, isn't it? Just rest in what that book says and not worry about some outside feeling. Someone says, just a little old book? Yep, just a little old book. How can I rest my faith in a book? Well, let me say this. The book's more reliable than your mother is. I got a pretty good mother. A uh, book's more reliable than your father. How about this? The book is more reliable than your spouse, your husband, or your wife. Or your lover. How about this? You're, uh, that book won't lie to you. 
never will it lie to you. But your kids might. <laughs> Amen. Kids might. Your spouse might lie to you. Let me tell you what, your employer, I was going to say might, your employer will lie to you. <laughs> Amen. They'll promise you stuff. They just lie right through their teeth, you know, just to keep you around. Take a little bit more of your blood. Amen. Your contractor, the head, whoever. Uh, but you know what? That book won't lie to you. Uh, Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. I got to keep moving here. The Bible says, and we sing this song in the morning, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. See that? God's not a man that he should lie. And that book, that book will never lie to you. That's a blessing. And that's why you don't like it when you read it sometimes, because it always speaks the truth. And that book, like a mirror, it's a, it always shows you an accurate reflection of who you are when you come to it. <laughs> All right, you got to rest your soul on the naked Word of God. Say, okay, Lord, you said it, that's it. All right, now the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, you know the verse, it says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, right? You know what to do with that verse? You rest on it. He said he'd do it. That's hard, ain't it? You figure you got to fix it here and fix it there. And Now look, you're doing the best you can. You got to rest on it. I know who I'm preaching to. I'm preaching to me right now. He said, my God shall supply all your need. You believe it? I do, but, but what? Rest on it. Rest on it. You see, a lot of folks uh, in 2022, they have a lot of faith. Chuckle with me now. But they got no facts, right? Paul says, I've got faith to believe. <laughs> and one preacher says, oh, yeah? Well, I got faith that Santa Claus comes down the chimney. <laughs> you see, see that kind of faith we're talking about? And so I got, I got faith that God will give me a new car. A good brother in the Lord, he says, uh, he said his dad believed that God was going to give him a million dollars. You say, what, what about it? What about it? Don't mean nothing at all. Your faith has to rest on a fact, doesn't it? If you got faith about something with no facts, it just shows you got a weak mind. Right? Where is your faith? Is it on facts? Faith without facts shows a weak mind. Uh, that's not faith, and it's not honoring to God. you got a bunch of people today out there in this world they are trying to manufacture faith. Uh, they try to think it up, but it's got to be based on fact. You've got fact, you've got faith, and how about this? You've got feeling. But fact, uh, fact is the root of salvation. Faith is not the root of salvation. You see that? All right, now you got the feeling, and this is the trouble with, peop uh, with people. And here's the thing, there's nothing wrong with feeling. You've got to understand that. As Bible believers, we kind of kick the thing. But there's nothing wrong with feeling. I like to have good feelings, don't you? But listen, you're not saved by feelings, are you? You're saved by what Jesus Christ did for you. That's a fact. And let me tell you what, you will have the right feeling, listen now, when you live for the Lord and serve the Lord, period you'll have the right feeling. If you don't serve the Lord, no feeling at all. All right? If you don't believe what God said, then you don't have assurance. You see how that works? If you don't believe what God said, no assurance. If you don't trust Jesus Christ, then you have no safety. That's how that thing works. All right? <clears throat> now, if you're sure today of what God said, then you have assurance. You have assurance of your salvation? 
All right? And you will have the right feeling when you live for the Lord. And if you don't live for the Lord, Christian, listen, feelings go right out the window. You'll have to manufacture them and get jacked up and whacked up on something else, and you'll constantly running down a feeling here and running down a feeling there. But if you don't live for the Lord, your feelings go right out the window. Listen, feelings can't save anybody. Feeling is the fruit of salvation, never the root. Feeling's the fruit. And I love to feel good, especially in the Lord. Uh, but you know what? Sometimes you come into the church house and I'm looking for a feel-good feeling and sometimes the Lord just lays that thing across thick and heavy and guess what? There's not a lot of feeling, is there? But if you're living for the Lord, you'll have the right feeling. It has never been the root of salvation. It is the outcome of serving the Lord. The right feeling in the Christian life is going to be the outcome of serving God and believing God and doing what God told you to do. And some Christians want the right feeling. They're just wishing that they had the feeling. Now, I can tell you how to get it. I can tell you how to get so much feeling that it'll make your skin crawl. <laughs> but some of you won't do it. So we're talking about fact. That's how you're saved. You're saved by fact, right? Fact is the root, all right? Then we're talking about faith, and we're talking about feeling. I, I tell you, I can tell you how to get so much feeling, it'll come out your ears. Next time the invitation is given, uh, we'll probably give one today. Uh, if you haven't done this, get out of your seat, come down here and confess Jesus Christ as your Savior. Some of you have never done that. I didn't say come get saved again. We're not talking about that tomfoolery. Uh, you say, well, everyone here knows I'm saved. All right, then confess him publicly. You see what I mean? Well, I want the feeling. You want the feeling? Come confess him publicly in front of everyone in the church house. Walk the aisle. 2022, preacher, who walks the aisle? Well, a handful of people in here do. Not my problem if you don't. Feeling is the fruit of salvation. Walk the aisle, confess him publicly. All right? I'll give you another one. After you've done that, after you've done that, you get your fist full of tracks right back there at that track rack, and you go back to all the old friends you used to mess around with in your town, or preferably this town, and give them a track and tell them how to be saved. <laughs> a little personal word of testimony. I'm not glorying any stupid things I, I, I did. As a, when I was out of college, I decided to do things my own way for about 90 days. Well, that was abysmal. That was absolutely abysmal. Why? Because let me tell you what. When uh, you were raised right, and you are raised to serve the Lord and be in church, and you decide not to be there, man, that thing haunts you like nobody's business. Amen? You had kids, you raised them to be in church, you raised them right, and they went and did their own thing. Guess what? They didn't do it easily. <laughs> About 90 days, come out here and make a fool of myself in town, so forth and so on, town yonder down there. And uh, when the Lord got a hold of me, cleaned my clock out, and I got things straight on the straight and narrow, back serving the Lord. Uh, you say, what'd you do? I wanted the right feeling. You say, what'd you do? I went back right to where I was messing around, grabbed as many tracks as I could, and started preaching on the streets told everyone that I messed around with that uh, I was a Christian and I never should have done that. He said, you, did, you better believe it. Why? I had a conscience issue. I'm just saying, you want the feeling? Then get your fist full of tracks, go into town here and start passing them out and tell everyone you know about Jesus Christ. Where everybody in town knows you. Everybody in town that knows you can then cuss you out. 
You don't hear too much about that, do you? You ever been cussed out by someone giving them a gospel track? Amen, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Let me tell you what, if you don't have a feeling by then, I'll quit the ministry. <laughs> or you go down here, guys, right? You go down here into town, and you park where you're supposed to park, and you get on top of your truck, or you get on top of the hood of your car, and you start preaching the gospel. You say you're nuts. You think so? I'll give you a little personal testimony. Not that I had ever visited this place, but a, a brother of mine back in 96, he, uh, he said, uh, we got to go, uh, we got to go preach uh, uh, on the street. I'm like, what in the fire is that? And I hadn't even known what preaching on the street was. I'm like, I figured you preach in the church house. Why in the world would you preach on the street? You're going to get run over or something like that, you know? He's like, no, 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 no. That means you just preach outside to, to people who need to hear the gospel. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Sounds, sounds like a real buzz to me, man. Let's go get her done. So we go in, and he goes to this place of, actually, it was a place of ill repute. I won't even mention the name. I'm embarrassed to say it. But we pulled right in the middle of the parking lot, totally illegal. Don't do this. I didn't know we were stupid and on fire for the Lord. And, pulled right in the middle of that parking lot of that joint there in Saginaw, and we both in the bed of the truck and uh, both preaching. And I'm telling you what, that place, that place emptied out, a bunch of bouncers, sloppy old girls come out, and man, they were just, man, they wanted to beat our hind end. <laughs> just preaching the gospel to them. You say, what happened? Man, we got a feeling, I'm telling you what. <laughs> and a couple of state boys come over and woo, pull in the parking lot, and, uh, and they kind of dispersed. So there must have been about 70 people. Maybe we had our own, we had our own congregation there. And we weren't going anywhere. Cops come up and, and uh, wanted to know what in the world we're doing. And we just looked at them and said, we're trying to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to these bunch of wicked, rotten sinners <laughs> and, and hope they get saved. And, and the one cop shook his head like, you bunch of dummies. And the other fellow said, listen, he says, look, I'm Lutheran. He said that. He says, and I like what you're doing here. It's really good. He says, but it's illegal. <laughs> We're like, oh, we didn't realize you couldn't preach in someone else's private property in the middle of the parking lot. Like, duh, who was even thinking? You say, why you give that? Because I'm telling you what, we went out there and did what we thought, and we were wrong in how we did it, and we changed and went across the street. But man, did we get a feeling. We walked away out of there, and uh, that's how you get the feeling. You're not going to get the feeling if you don't go serve the Lord somehow. You see what I mean? So I'm telling you how to get the feeling. Confess Christ publicly. You don't see too much of that anymore, do you? You don't. And you say you're putting pressure. No, I'll let the Holy Spirit put the pressure on you. And uh, I preached a message, I don't know, about six, seven years back about confessing Christ publicly. I had about 20 people come up. They'd never heard that. They'd never heard it. Or... I tell you what, when I was a kid in this church, I used to regularly hear people confess Jesus Christ. I just want to let you know I got saved. I trusted Jesus as my Savior. Uh, where are you going? I'm going to heaven when I uh, just confess him publicly. Why? Because when you confess him publicly out here, it pleases the Father and it emboldens you to go out through those doors and then go out into this community and your family and the workplace and tell others about Jesus Christ. That's what we're here to do. We're here to please the Father. Confess him publicly, and then, and then you, what you do is you grab some tracks, amen? Grab some tracks and just start passing tracks out. You wouldn't believe the doors that will open up if you just take the time and go pass out tracks. Set aside 10 minutes, set aside 20 minutes. 
I go pass out tracts in town, go pass them out wherever there's a gathering, a flea market, right? Uh, we're going to try to do something at Perchville here. Lord willing, we'll see if it works or not. I remember in 2008, we took about, I don't know, a dozen or 15 people uh, from Lupton there and passed out. Man, that thing was a buzz. That was a buzz. Well, you know what I'm saying. That was a, a good thing there. Anyways, just passing out tracts and people like, eh, what's this all about? And just give you the opportunity to tell them about Jesus Christ. And you start all, all nervous and shaky, but about a half hour into that thing, man, you feel like you could chase a cop with his gun drawn. You see what I mean? And you get the feeling. And Christians always want a feeling. I want to feel good. Well, you want the feeling? Then go serve the Lord. You're not going to get the feeling not serving the Lord. And a Christian, a lot of Christians won't do that because after further review, there's a flag on the play and they no longer want the feeling that bad because it comes with a little bit of opposition. Amen. Your whole life as a Christian is going to be met with opposition. And if you ever get in a position like that and you start witnessing like that, you'll find out what happens. You'll find out real quick. There's something about being able to win someone to Jesus Christ. It just kind of grabs another gear in your Christian life. And uh, led uh, Amanda to the Lord, not directly. Uh, let me back off that thing. I witnessed to this feller for a number of years, giving scripture after scripture, and, and he ended up getting saved uh, through somebody else. But he called me up, and uh, he says, and I didn't know he got saved. And he said, hey, Jay, he said, I'd let you know I got baptized. I'm like, yeah, what'd you do that for, man? I didn't know he got saved. I figured he just got dipped, you know, got wet or something. Uh, I, I said, what'd you do that for? I said, you just got wet. He says, I knew you'd say that. See, he'd been listening all those years. And he knew that uh, the answer wasn't in baptism. He says, no, I went to this Bible study, and uh, I trusted Christ as my Savior, and my whole family did. I said, well, bless the Lord. Praise the Lord. What a blessing. You say, why you tell that story? Because it took nine years for him to lead someone to Jesus Christ. You say, why? People grow at different rates. But let me tell you what, he had the feeling. <laughs> you see what I mean? You want the feeling? You go serve the Lord. Uh, the, the trouble is, is uh, well, first of all, you get the feeling by doing what God told you to do. And the trouble is that folks don't cash in on it. You got a whole book full of promises that people won't cash in on. It's there. The feeling's theirs, but they got to cash in on it. And a lot of Christians don't want to do that. The book tells you how to get the feeling. But first, before God gives it to you, you're going to have to have the faith. And you're going to have to believe God and believe what he gave you. That's important. 1 John 5.13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. I'll tell you this story here. In a particular case one time where a, a lady over in England, she had lost her son, and apparently he had gone away to sea in the Navy. And then when he got out of the Navy somewhere, he disappeared. Just like vanished off the face of the earth. But uh, history kind of figured, she figured that he was shanghai or something like that. Someone got a hold of him. And that dear old mother waited for him to come back for years and years and years, but he never did. However, every year at her birthday, uh, on and on special occasions, uh, he would send her a little blue slip of paper. And she used to take those blue slips of paper and put them on her wall, hang them all over her wall. She's kind of half blind, you know. <laughs> and these pretty little pieces of paper, and she got to be around 70. The people come over there in England from the welfare office and said, I'm sorry, but uh, you can't pay your bills, and off to the poorhouse you go. 
And that's why you got places up north, uh, like in, what is it, uh, Alcona County? Poor Farm Road. You say, what is that? Well, that's if you was indigent. They used to have houses where you, if you were traveling, you go stay in that poor farmhouse. You see that? But they're like, yeah, you got to go, lady. You can't stay here. You can't pay the bills. So they're going to haul her off. And, but when they started to take her out of the house, uh, one of the men that came to help usher her away said this, what are all those money orders doing all over your wall? She said, I ain't got a clue. Just pretty little things my son sent me. He's in Australia and couldn't get back. So he mails those nice little pretty pictures to me every year. And there are 240 of those $50 money orders at the turn of the century on her wall. Just pretty little pictures. And a Christian, listen, God's given you a book that's slap full of money orders right in front of you in your lap. And I'm telling you today, all you got to do is cash in on them. I mean, Christians got the, the biggest uh, unwritten check there ever was right here. And no, hardly anybody cashes in on it. And the thing is not just to look at or carry to church. Uh, you and I were supposed to use it. Cash in on it. Well, I believe it. Praise the Lord, I do too. But it don't matter whether you believe it. You use it. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You see that? And you're supposed to cash in on it. That will give you the right feeling. So there it is. Fact, faith, and feeling. Look at Acts 8.39. We'll bring this thing to a close. At the end of Acts 8.39, you see what it says? And he went on his way, what? Rejoicing. There's the feeling. And guess what? It comes at the end, doesn't it? That's the important part of what we're trying to show you. You're not going to get the feeling without the fact or the faith. The feeling to your Christian life comes at the end when you've done what God told you to do. All right? You're saved if you trust Jesus Christ. That's a fact. You're sure if you believe what God said, there's the faith. And you have the right feeling only when you do what God tells you to do. All right? You're not living for the Lord today, not going to be any feeling. And if you don't believe what God said, then there'll be no assurance. And God forbid if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've got no safety. So that's just a little lesson that was given to me a number of years ago about fact. Faith and feeling. You get the feeling when you do what God has told you to do. And your salvation is a fact. It's an absolute fact. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, man, you are saved. That's an indisputable fact. Amen? Let's close in order of prayer. Father, we sure love you. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you'd use this little lesson to strengthen someone's faith in Jesus Christ and embolden them to go on and serve you and stop worrying about what anybody else thinks and stop worrying about what the world's doing. And Father, I pray that if we serve you, that you would honor that and give us the right feeling as a Christian. We love you in Jesus' name. Help us now. Amen. All right.